0: Why have I quit my job? Why have I you know, bought a van? And, and why am I gonna drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I wanna stitch these stories together across the states. We're gonna find the commonalities and it's gonna be really an amazing experience and I look forward to you joining me on the job. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Mental Health Today. It's uh, kind of a happy Sunday here. Uh, just just chilling. It's a great time to sit down and, you know, have a little conversation about mental health. The video that you just saw was me kind of pontificating what I might find if I talked to a bunch of Americans and heard their stories. And sure enough, the, the common thread was mental health. So I started this uh, – I started the JAR Foundation – and started this podcast to find out what other people are doing, uh, what are people in the professional space of mental health, how are they approaching it, uh, what have they learned. And so it's really a good chance for me to learn a lot, but also to kind of record that and share it and give people a platform. And Vin, uh, thanks for taking time out on a Sunday. I'm, I really appreciate it. I don't know what kind of crazy people are signing up for Sundays, uh, but, you know, but you're know, but you one of them. I love it. Um <laughs> Thanks for being a guest. Thanks. And again, thanks for taking time out of your day to, to share with the audience kind of your views on mental health, what you're doing in the space, how you got there. Um, I loved your bio kind of poking around there this morning, kind of seeing a little bit of your story that, and I, it's interesting, your individual approach is similar to, uh, I had a couple of corporate kind of clients come on and they were kind of describing this process of bringing different groups together or individuals to a group. And and the reason they were doing it was not to strengthen a vertical, but to really start to bring a holistic pra- practice together. So to build it, you know, maybe not out of a one-person or two-person, but starting putting together a clinic where it had all these different kind of mental health uh, approaches, modalities available for clients. Um, so, you know, Vin, welcome, and What do you – why – why would you quit being a fireman or why would you start being a fireman? I always thought like, I'm not sure I, I would like, if I stood up next to all the other fireman candidates, I would be pretty intimidated. I'd be like, I'm never going to become a fireman. <laughs>
1: so. Well, yeah, I'll jump into that. I also just real quick, I'll touch on, you know, kind of what yeah. you were saying before is like, <laughs> I I actually have had a few corporate clients myself. I become very close friends with them realistically because mm. It's very helpful, right? I'm able to save them time, energy, efficiency, and most oh, importantly yes. money because yes. they don't need to bring in like three, four different people when I could do the job of all of them. So yes. I actually become a really great asset whenever I get integrated mm. into a company and I take on that, you know, that corporate contract. So sure. I love working with corporate because I always show them, hey, I could I could save you on your bottom line, your top line, I increase like all of that great stuff from just one person instead of needing four or five.
0: <laughs> uh, corporates I, you know, I'm a big fan of corporate as an entry point for kind of helping address a mental health crisis. Yeah. Is that one, one person you can really, you can serve a lot of people.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's actually why I started doing it because I wanted to create more impact. And as a therapist, I was doing the one-to-one, you know, therapy. And then even as a coach, I was doing one-to-one coaching. But, you know, when you're working with an individual, it's harder to create a higher level of impact. And I found that I have a mission where I want to impact a billion lives. So doing that is going to require me to do a few different things. One is like speaking, like coming on podcasts and getting on stages. But two is also working in a one to many approach where I'll also do groups. And number three is working with one to one Mm -hmm. with big impact people. So if I have a corporate client and I'm working with maybe a few of the C-suite members, I make the lives of the employees better. I make the client uh, relationships better. It's a great trickle down effect. And so that's ultimately what started leading me even into that route of working with entrepreneurs and corporations and companies.
0: Yeah. And I, and I love your, this, this education part, you know, the therapy part is for stuff that's already happened. And, you know, mostly, you know, of course you're learning some tools for life, but I do, I I'm a big fan of, I think for the crisis for me, I, I grew up, you know, in a corporate world of a lot of sales and sales, you know, I was a salesperson. And some of the jobs were, you know, brutal, uh, yeah. you know, the rejection, you know, the rejection rate is gigantic. And so mm-hmm. you end up people surviving in there or trying to thrive or trying to grow. You end up listening to all kinds of tapes. My, you learn about your mind and positive thinking and a lot of the stuff you're probably helping people with. But just that, you know, the tool set. So I think education, how our minds work, yeah. we don't get any of that in school there's no right. educate parents didn't our my parents you know for sure did no you know nowhere near that i mean it was way more animalistic survival methods of sure. growing up and you know i think as we're maturing and growing understanding how the mind works can stop a lot of mental health stuff from from spiraling out of control um, oh. so it's great what your approach the teaching and learning
1: Thanks. And so let's, let's get back to your original question over there of the fire department.
0: <laughs> it, fireman.
1: Well, Why? you know, it's, it's actually a perfect segue because you're talking about, you know, this mental education or this mental fortitude, right? Or mental toughness. Yeah. As I like to call it. And a lot of that is found in times of adversity. And obviously being a firefighter mm. is something that is aversive. It's hard yes. training. It's hard work overall. And it, definitely challenges you in many ways, right? Like when you're going through the fire Academy, the okay. FDNY is the, uh, the standard for fire departments in the world. So yes. New York city's fire department, uh, other countries send their firefighters to actually learn what we do and how we do it because wow. we are considered the standard. And so we have very rigorous training. It's run kind of like a paramilitary organization where we have drill instructors and we go through all different types of training and, You know, we're doing, I don't know, there were were some days you're getting up at like 3 a.m. to be there for four something and then you get home at six, (laughs) seven o'clock at night and that's just the day. And so, man, you know, you you get some long days and it teaches you that ultimately or if you make it through, right, that ultimately you have more than you think within you and it starts unlocking new parts of yourself. (laughs) And there's a lot to be said for that because. If you want to tie into kind of like even what's going on in today's world, people are losing their mental toughness. People are not willing to go into the fire, so to speak, right? They're not willing to put themselves in hard situations. You've probably heard this book, uh, heard of the book, like the obstacle is the way that's actually a stoic saying from Marcus Aurelius, where he talks about how Mm. the biggest obstacles that are in your path are also the biggest opportunities for your growth. And so, in today's society, especially yeah. uh, what I see in traditional therapy, is it's a lot of overvalidation. Your feelings are valid. Everybody else is wrong. Society is set up to make you fail. And when you think like that, you can <laughs> never <laughs> overcome your own issues or you can never find the ways to overcome obstacles. And so, wow. I started growing very disenfranchised with traditional therapy because yes. of that, which led me into coaching because. I wanted to start doing something different. And in um, that gave, there there was a birth of now my hybrid method, which is a combination of therapy, mentoring and coaching in one service to provide a very holistic view of doing the therapeutic work where it's awareness and resolution of your past. And then it's the mentoring work where I'm sharing lessons of life and mm-hmm. personal experiences and tools and techniques that I've utilized and learned personally, and then the coaching aspects to challenge people to raise their standards, live up to a new, new uh, level in their life that they want to achieve. And of course, being able to take on ownership, accountability, and responsibility. Yeah. And those are, those are the biggest things that I think help people change their lives. So I see therapy as not as effective as it could be if it's missing all these other components. And vice versa. It's not just a, t- a shot against therapy. I think coaching falls short in many ways why a lot of coaches oh, yeah. are ineffective yeah I think absolutely. mentoring has its limitations and there all of them have their limitations but that's why I created what I do to get rid of all the limitations and bring the best of all worlds together
0: how about diet are you getting into diet because I think if I'm looking at that the one part that might you know that's 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 could be added or and you probably covered in, in the coaching part is the diet you know because I think I think our diet is atrocious. Um, and it's not just our diet, but it's also just the whole, the way food is delivered to us, sure. right? So it's, you have to really opt, you almost have to opt out of part of the system to take care of your mental health. Uh, I think from a food, a gut, and now we know the connection between the gut and the brain. Um, how do you talk to, how do you bring that into corporate? That that's, seems like a sensitive topic.
1: It's interesting. You know, when you're, Thinking about what clients you're working with and how. I personally, yeah. when I have a client, uh, I require them to have some sort of physical fitness routine. And <laughs> I love I it. I, I love do. it. I mean, if you're going to, because I, I look at it like this if you're going to work on your health or your mental health or whatever we want to call it, it's yeah. an all encompassing aspect. Like for you to just yes. take care of your mind and not worry about your physical, your spiritual, your emotional. There's just no point to it. I I honestly believe it's a waste of my time. So I won't do it because Mm. I also have a very good success rating with my clients. Like I would say I'm probably at a 98% success rating of helping clients succeed in transformation. But the reality is, and and I'm not, you know, now it's gonna make the stats a little less impressive. The reality is is that I screen my clients. I only (laughs) take on the clients that I think will be a good fit because I've done the whole and again, I've been in mental health for over 13 years. I've worked as a therapist and as a therapist, you're just assigned clients. You you don't have a say. Like if you work at a practice or a clinic, you just come in one day and you have like five people on your schedule. You never heard of them, but they're going to be your client. And I've worked with a lot of people and I understand who I enjoy working with, who I'm most effective with. And that's really where the best results come in.
0: That's, that's the, that's the part, right? It's where you're going to be most like, and that's two way street, right? They're going to get, obviously for them, it's a great outcome.
1: Correct. Correct. When I when I work with a client, the investment <laughs> is usually well made. I say ninety eight percent because I have failed with a few clients and they weren't good fits. And I took them on mm-hmm. not knowing they weren't good fits. And you know, that's okay. That's a part of my learning process. But I'm not gonna say, oh, because they weren't good fits, they don't count on my stats. They count. It was a learning <laughs> process. And yeah, so I made,
0: a, I, I made a mistake.
1: Yeah, I, it's okay. Like we weren't ready for each other, and that's all right. But that's why I screen clients. You have to want to work with me, but I also have to want to work with you. And I think that that's something that people don't talk about enough either, is that sometimes you're not getting the results you need because Um, it isn't exactly a synergistic relationship. I've told companies that wanted to bring me in and work with their employees. I said, hey, if your employees don't want to work with me, I'm not going to work with the company because it doesn't make sense. You're going to force me on your employees. They're not going to get any of the help because they're not going to open up, then you're going to look at me and be like, why yeah, did I just yeah. pay you all this money and nothing's happening? It's like, well, because you put a, a parent-child dynamic in there where it's like the yes, parent yeah. forcing the kid to do something they don't want to do. And and we've all seen what happens when a kid's forced to do something they don't want to do. They don't do it. <laughs> not very well. Not very well, if they do at all. <laughs> not very well. You know, and
0: and that dynamic too, it's really – You've also probably in that parent, if they if they put you in in that way, that will tell you a lot about the dynamic already in the company. 100%. And, and then you definitely I mean, for two reasons, you don't want to work there, right? Yep. Just the yeah. dynamic will be telling you that's not the culture that you're going to perform well at.
1: And so, um, you know, I always present a very kind approach to that. I'll like I've had it, you know, the CEO will say, hey, like I want you to come in and I want to set you up with four or five of my executive members. Okay, no problem. Okay. Let's, let's Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to gift you five sessions, essentially. I'm going to sit down with each of your members, and I will talk to them mm-hmm. about one why yeah. I'm here and ask if they have things they want to work on, not that they need to, if they want to work on things. And then if they do... Then I will ask them if they want to invite me to be on that journey with them. And if they do, great. And if they don't, I will not work with them. So if I wind up meeting with five people and two people are like, I don't want you, then I will still work with the other three people, but I'm not taking on the two that don't. And I make it very known to everyone. One, I'm not going to make you pay for something you won't use. That's why I gift those sessions at the start. Because I think the biggest thing that you could do is like, get somebody committed to a contract and not deliver. So I don't do that. And then number two is hmm. for the people that want to invite me on the journey, I will go with them, but I'm not going to go with the others that, that don't want me there. And who knows, maybe by me being in proximity and by the other employees or the other team members saying like, Hey, Vin is awesome. All of a sudden they get curious. Now I do uh, get the other two later. So it never pays to come force around. people, right? Sometimes, sometimes it does. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes like, I'm glad I didn't do it. <laughs> I could
0: see in that dynamic Like just that example right there. I can do my own numbers. The three will take you. One more will come across and the other person will leave the company.
1: Potentially it happens.
0: Yeah. Like that's a a real possible scenario because you end up, things are changing. People are changing. And there's that one person who's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not changing. And it's too scary. Or I don't want to go down that road for whatever reason. And they'll, they'll they'll take the the side i said powerful impact
1: i mean what a great yeah. result for the company All right you and, and and that's actually a great point you just brought up right because it could have that effect <clears> where <throat> that person's no longer fitting in and now they become an inhibitor to the culture because yeah. four people investing one person not if that person yeah. doesn't have a way to keep up themselves like if they're just like hey vin i don't need you cuz i'm good or i have a coach or a therapist i'm yes, happy with yes. That's, different, different. that's a different story, but if that person continues to kind of inhibit, now I get four people on board and this one is just resistant, 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 now it starts becoming a, hey, you know what? The company is actually going to have to let you go. And not because of the fact that you didn't want to coach, but because of the fact that we do see that everyone is growing, the culture is changing, but now you're actually becoming the thorn in the side of the culture growing. Yeah. And, and so- Yeah, it's yeah. about the culture,
0: right? It it I'm really bad. is. It will be- and to what you're trying to do, which is one to many. The point of that, I think, you know, the point, not the point, but one of the values you bring is you're impacting not just that person, but that person's going to, you know, everything they glean from your process, they're going to turn, you know, 180 and work with their team in a completely different way. Yes. And so now you've got four boss, four bosses who have turned around and are giving their teams a beautiful new, you know, a new way to go. And right. you have got another team which is stuck with the leadership and that creates, you know, the undertow, the undertow within the organization. So the person I've seen this before, this kind of scenario, somebody yeah. ends up getting flushed out and yeah. the organization and then the new person you bring in is magic, you know, probably. Right
1: well Um, and that's the funny thing they could be magic when you bring in the new person because of the fact that now they're coming into a different culture so there's no there's no pre-existing issues right the other person had all the pre-existing issues was a part of the negative productivity or or you know any of the other issues that were going on and now you have this new person that just comes into this seemingly great environment that they want to be a part of and so they're already bought in and that Mm -hmm. that's what we need right when we need we need people in These communities or these companies or the organizations or teams, whatever, whatever macro or micro scale we're targeting, you always need buy in. You need people that want to be there. And I'm sure some of your listeners, maybe they're people who are working a nine to five, or maybe they're an entrepreneur, maybe they're a corporate client or whoever's listening Mm -hmm. here. I'm sure to some degree, they probably felt that where they're at, they might not be valued. They might not have buy-in. They might be counting down the minutes until they go home. They might take an extended lunch break. They (laughs) might be looking for any excuse to call out sick, right? If anyone listening has experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's all about leadership and culture.
0: It is funny how uh, the right right leader can make you want to show up to work the right culture right and and yeah. the wrong leader can can make
1: sunday night give you a heart attack oh that's a great one have you heard have you heard of when uh it's statistically proven when the most heart attacks occur sunday night you no. start thinking about monday oh, oh i thought it was sunday night or sunday no no it's monday morning it is <laughs> monday morning as soon as the alarm hits the weekend's over, the I tried to forget about the job I hate and the boss that's going to come down on oh. me and the crappy coworkers and the toxic culture, yes. that hits Monday morning when the alarm goes off. Statistically proven, most people have heart attacks on a Monday morning.
0: I mean, that's so, and that's just so wrong. I mean, that heart attack is just so preventable. Um, I, you know, when you're working with corporate clients, one of the things that I've, you know, I, that I look at that how to get corporates really behind this. And, and as opposed to just having a nice, you know, we have our EA, you know, thanks for calling Vin, but we have an EAP already, you know, I mean like, okay, that's a perfect, definitely not your client. Um, but how do we move people from this E, you know, I have an EAP kind of a culture to really getting behind it. and sure. And one of the things that, I know is there is cost of medical yeah you know the cost of medical those heart attacks those things that that hit larger companies and yep. maybe smaller self-insured kind of companies but i mean the medical the impact of medical costs because of mental health that's what i'm trying You know the kind of the long-winded oh, yeah. way of saying it and as soon as med- as soon as as soon as companies figure out you can save you know a lot of money by bringing in professionals to work with your team and get the culture right. Um, It's just crazy to think how much money, how many people end up in the emergency room for completely preventable reasons around stress and mental health.
1: Right. Well, and and that's the thing it's, to some degree, it does need to be the right fit because I could I could call up any company right now and be like, hey, you know, do you guys want a, a coach to come in? And they they might be like, no, absolutely not. We're fine. We have this. We have that. Mm-hmm. And it's just about being able to speak the right language, right? They have they one have mm-hmm. to be open to it. And number two, speak the right language. Yeah. So it's like, hey, how's your turnover? In fact, how is your absenteeism? How is the employee's productivity? What's the ROI on the employee's productivity? Because whatever rate they're at. You have to look at that. Are they producing at a you know, are they producing at a 40% capacity? Because what if I told you we can get them to 70%? What if I told you your turn your turn rate will go down from 30 to like five? What if I told you absenteeism will plummet by 80%? What if I told you that I don't know your medical bills will go down by 30%? What if I just threw out all of these interesting stats? Then would that be worth a conversation? Because if it is What would that do to your bottom line, your top line? How how would how would your top line expand and your bottom line like shrink? How how could you do all that if you bring in what I have to offer? Because it is possible. It's just now are you willing to check that out? And I also like to go with saying, though I am a therapist, what I do is I do mental performance coaching because a lot of people are still resistant to the term therapists or therapy. Absolutely. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I don't believe or consider what I do to be traditional therapy anyway. That's why I like calling myself a mental performance coach because I help people Hmm. optimize their potential. I help high performers perform at an even higher level with less burnout and achieve better results, more fulfilled. Like that's the way that I come in. So it's not about optimizing your employees work and output and burning them out. It's about optimizing them through enhancing their fulfillment, through enhancing their purpose, through getting everyone together. You're totally
0: flipping that on its head. You're going to get all these great performance by actually having a happier, well, better adjusted employee. I mean, the the weirdest part about this is I'm going to give you a really good, happy human. And as a result, they're going to perform really
1: well. Yeah. I'm going to get your employee to stay late and want to stay late and produce work and not want to call out because of the fact that you're finally going to be a better company, And yeah, they'll yeah, do right. all of that willingly. And I could also prove to some degree a bunch of that, because I've done, I've done a few blogs and things like that on you know talking about what, what goes on in, in corporate culture, etc. And there was one blog that I was writing, and it was all statistical. so you know if anybody wants okay. any of the listeners, check out my <laughs> website. But basically, it talks about how there are employees. in in this study, and this research they've done that have literally said that they would not mind staying later at work if they felt like they were appreciated. But when you get the employee that's not appreciated, the reality is, is that if they leave at five, they're mentally clocked out by like 3.30, right? Like I could give you the employee that doesn't want to be there. Here's why their productivity sucks. They have to come in at nine. They didn't want to be there. So they dragged all morning. Now that they get there at nine, they're going to mess around until 10 now it's 10 they're going to slowly start getting into it they're going to work until 12 then they're going to have about 30 minutes or so where they're going to mess around then they're going to have 30 more minutes of work then they go on lunch for an hour then they're going to come back from lunch at about two they're going to be a little slow getting back from lunch they start working at around 2 30 then they're going to work from 2 30 to 4 then they're going to mentally walk out and then at 5 they're leaving on the dot if not like five minutes early because they want to get to their car or bust quicker That's your employees work day. If you have a crappy culture and you're a bad boss can, can, you know, on the other side, (laughs) on the other side, if they want to be there, you could get more than four hours of work, which is pretty much what I just described. That's your day. You're getting four hours of work out of your employees when they're there for eight or nine, wouldn't you love to get eight hours or seven hours of work out of them? Yeah.
0: (laughs) And just a culture of one, you know, people, if you've got a culture of people, clocking out at 459 and clocking in at you know 901 you you just know the whole culture is like that and it's just it's how hard is it to turn around i mean if you come in these toxic what if it is a real toxic environment how hard is it to turn that around you know when you've got when 80% of the people have got that kind of emotion going on because now you've got also you've got
1: you got corporate rot at the c-suite i would assume yeah i mean sometimes it's really hard right sometimes it's kind of unfixable it depends it depends how far people are you know if Mm. if especially again like i said even towards the start of this prefacing the the conversation of it's it's about buy-in so, if nobody really wants to change and the rot is, as you described it, is yeah. the rot is rampant, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you heal somebody who's got, you know, <laughs> 99% of their body head to toe covered in cancer? Chances are oh. they got 1%, they got 1% of the body that's healthy. Maybe that 1% can recover, but usually like it's not and it's a, yeah. it's going to be a downfall. Although sometimes if, I don't know, maybe you got 20% cancer you got a few different options, right? You can get treatment. Maybe the treatment helps. Or maybe you just cut off the arm to stop it from spreading. Maybe you could really just mm-hmm. isolate it in that arm and you got to get rid of the damn arm. So what do you do if you get rid of the arm? Well, who do you have to get rid of then? Who do you have to fire? Who has to go? Who's the one that's contributed <laughs> yeah. the most? Because now when you have situations where people are bought out, buy-in is always harder, right? It's, it's kind of that, that to build trust. You have It's to like build building trust. trust again. And building trust, right? What do we know about trust? It's a lot easier to lose than it is to gain. So you have to do something monumental to start building trust. Because I tell you what, free pizza party and saying we're a family is not going to help build trust. However, <laughs> however, maybe it's about a public show that you really want to get on the right foot. Saying things like, hey, we're investing in you. Here's how we're going to invest in you. We're gonna get you guys this coach. We're gonna do everything that the coach is telling us. We want you guys to buy in. We're gonna start actually putting time and effort into you. Hell, most people just want to feel recognized. That's another part. I was looking at uh, when I was doing my my blog. Yeah. I was talking about before. There was over sixty percent or seventy percent of employees don't feel recognized for their work. Another fifty percent don't feel like their their leadership is empathetic. Like those are wow. big stats. So you're saying one in two people, right, don't feel that they are cared for or supported. So you start showing up and you start showing that you actually care, aside from a pizza party or some crap, all of a sudden you're getting buy-in. Another thing you could do is if you know somebody's (laughs) been like berating people and and beating them down, fire that person. Say, hey, you know, in efforts to really build this company, we thought it was in best interest for the company and Vin to part Mm -hmm. ways to really... Uh, focus on internal building and internal structure. Vin will go on his own endeavors, and we will focus on growing in this trajectory. Now, it's very professionally said, but everyone who knows everybody Vin <laughs> will know everybody that's knows. why they did it, right? And so yeah. now, without saying it, you communicated to your employees you want what's best for them. They're starting to buy in, but you have to show because a lot of people talk, but they don't show. They say we love our employees, we invest, we're a family. Really, how much have you invested? How much have you paid for? How many coaches have mm-hmm. you got? How many workshops? How many seminars? How many, how many times have you been empathetic towards their situation where they need a day off, but maybe they don't have any more? Like doing the small things. How have you shown up to pay to invest in your employees' well-being? Because saying it and doing it, two totally different things. It, it is. And it's not, <clears throat> you
0: know, listening to you describe what the process would be like. You know, this is not really hard for a company. It's not. I, you know, this is it's it's kind of amazing, right? Because you do you do really all the work. It, it yeah. just takes a really good lot. Like a, you have to go through the thought process and then have that community. The communication you just said, right? You have to say those words, and then right behind the words are the actions. And the actions aren't isn't a lot from the executive team. It's really opening that right. door and and showing by example, sitting down, taking time with you. Uh, doing the things that, that you're kind of showing them how to do the leadership part. Sure. I mean, I think this is the amazing part is companies can literally really invest in themselves
1: uh, by investing in the people. Well, people, people are funny too because they tend to be short sighted and narrow minded. Right. And mm-hmm. I don't mean that as an insult, but that's the reality because a lot of people only operate yeah. out of the beliefs or the the habits or the programming that they already know within their brain so to get them to change that means you need another perspective you need a third you know a third party that's why i have a job but the coolest thing is this right it's you have to look at if so if you're super obsessed with numbers you have to look at what could be the roi of investing in a coach because i so this is something a mentor of mine told me right he's talking about when you want people to invest in a service And you could say, hey, how much money, right? Like I'll go on, I'll talk to maybe the CEO or something. I'll say, how much money did the company make this year? Okay. How much money did you want to make? How far are you? Like take those two numbers, subtract that. Mm, How far are you from that goal, right? Because here's what it's costing you to not invest. It's already costing you that amount, that number. You're already already paying for it by not having the tools you need, the support you need the information you need, the people you need, the, the I don't know, let's say the buy-in you need, whatever it is, you're already paying for it. So investing a little bit more in my coaching or anyone's coaching services, if they could actually help your company can help you close that gap. Because that gap, that yeah. number between how much you want to make and how much you did make, that gap is ultimately just your ability to know what you need to fill it. Because that number could be made up. You just need to be able to have the processes or the systems or the tools that get yeah. you from A to B. So you're already mm-hmm. paying for it, whether you invest in my services or not, you've paid. You're still paying, and you're going to keep paying because you're not moving further or faster as you would yeah, mo- if you invest.
0: <clears throat> Interesting. So the money leaking out. You're paying for this money. You just don't see it. And yep. and if you and if you steer, if you kind of capture some of that money. Share it with a coach. You'll fill that gap. You'll find right. that gap. Yeah, realistically, and, and think, yeah. Yeah, I know. And I, I, this is I've seen it happen as well. You know, when you're, you're. The funny part is that gap is usually not. It's a number that they know. It's like I should be here. They don't. I mean, these are people. You know, entrepreneurs. They're professionals. They know. Like yep. we're here, but we actually, this is our capacity. This is where we should be. Because the number won't be a crazy number; it'll be a realistic number they should be at. Oh yeah. I mean that's a powerful close, right? If it's a, you know if it's if it's a small percentage of that extra revenue. Sure. Um, and it's a different company on a different, totally different trajectory.
1: Oh yeah. Well, my mom always used to say, "Don't don't be penny wise and dollar foolish, right? Yeah. Don't don't be like, well, I don't want to invest a few thousand in a coach, but if you do." you can make like a few hundred dollars (laughs) or or up to a million because yeah, your revenue will go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It could be a difference of a million dollars for, you know, pennies on the dollar. Really?
1: It could be. Um, I've had clients do that where they brought me in and I've helped them optimize their sales team and become better leaders. And all of a sudden their company started producing additional few hundred thousand dollars in revenue, not because of like, I'm spectacular. It's just because, hey, I saw where you guys were bleeding. And it was a very simple fix. It's like, hey, dude, you, you're you not being a leader. You need to be a leader. You're being a boss. Because his thing was, he was the top sales oh, guy in the company. He's the co-founder, top sales guy. Every time he stopped selling, the company would go down like this. So he'd have to still be super involved to get the trajectory up. Yes. And oh, so, so classic. Such it's a so classic. classic. But here's the thing, right? When a co-founder or somebody at that level wants to start stepping out, they also don't think, well, if I want to start stepping out, I need to start coaching. And people don't realize you want to make the the transition from producer. You have to go to that next level and no longer be a producer. You have to be in people development. So I got him to go through, create all his SOPs, create everything he did, like from scratch, everything he did, all the procedures. Then I had him meet with every salesperson. Like once a week, minimum. create a group, you know, sales, salesperson okay. group, went through the SPs, went through what he did. All of a sudden he cloned himself in like five people. The company grew a few hundred thousand dollars in revenue and he only works four days a week now where he was working seven. He works yeah. four days because he doesn't need to anymore. Now what he's focusing on, which is phenomenal, is now he's building out two other possible divisions for his company. And we're, we're looking at his company can very easily get well over a hundred million dollars with now implementing these two new strategies and then trajectory after that, who knows, but that's, what's possible when you stop trying to save a few dollars and really figure out what the hell (laughs) is going on in your company. Uh,
0: that's a classic example, right? I mean, the things that make you, especially sales careers, as you, as you grow, Very dangerous. And and I think any career, you know, whether you're an accountant or an actuary or a production manager. What makes you what got you the job, that promotion is probably the same thing that's going to prevent you from being successful. And Mm, so you have to reinvent you. You have to reinvent yourself to a percentage, not radically. But as you grow in your career, you do need to reinvent. And it's or growth. Maybe you you probably have a different word for it, but it is what you what got you here is not going to get you there. And it may even kill you in your current job. Oh, yeah. It it, it, it probably very likely will make you fail if you try to become this if you're the same person in the new role.
1: I've I've seen that happen, too. I had a client who had to close down his real estate company. He was the top producer and he 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 just kept on trying to hire people instead of really coaching them like he was just like i just want to bring on a talent and it's like it you could get a talent that will outperform but that's not always the case you have to really mold people especially yeah. in in what you know works because like you're you've done it right so he would stop selling but he wouldn't be coaching either and then his company would just start tanking but now he hired on all these people on salary and oh, cool. he wound up going super red and he had to close down his company and basically restart. Like and he restart. closed down, fired everyone, and then he had to start over as a one man band. And I told I, him I that the problem is the problem is that you keep doing the same thing. You keep trying to be this producer. So so when the company would start going down, instead of continuing to coach his employees, he would just start taking sales and he would go produce yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is expected because you're in a in a you know you're in a scarcity mindset right now, you're in survival state. And so he, he wouldn't come out of that and then it would become like a really hard work environment and all of these issues that came because he didn't know how to properly coach. And then he would just step back into being the producer and he wasn't coaching at all. So really understanding where you're at, there's different levels of leadership as, as what we're kind of talking about Mm -hmm. here, right? There's five levels. If you, if you follow the John Maxwell scale, which I love to teach and, you know, knowing where you are on that, on that scale, knowing where you are from one to five is important to identify. And then number two is what are you doing to enhance? What are you doing to get from one to two or three to four, or whatever. And as you do that, there's also going to be different requirements from you as a leader in how you not only show up, but how you support and how you help.
0: Yeah. Some people are just meant to be good producers or, or it's just yeah. a place where they're happy. And, you know, they don't, they're never really going to be great Coaches or leaders. Correct. Right. Yeah. You know, they're just good, they're just closers. I mean, some people are just really good at grinding out and selling. And that's what, you know, and it's frustrating because they have a they have a vision of themselves or an idea of themselves of being a manager and being a boss. Um, but that they can never really get out of that uh the id, then that ego part is there so strong that they're like the hero and they're always selling and they can close anybody.
1: Well, and, so Ken, let me tell you something here. This is where the the cool part of my therapy background comes yeah, in. yeah yeah this is the usually, part where <laughs> usually when somebody is stuck at a level three of being a producer and they can't get yeah. to that next level it's not because they're incapable it's because they have deeper seated inner issues they have yet to yeah. address it's usually yes. some sort of a lack or a scarcity like maybe and this is a very common one sometimes hyper successful people come from like poverty or they yeah. come from some sort of situation where they never want to go back to. And so they're operating yeah. out of fear. Like I know this guy who has more money than he knows what to do with. He's more successful than he needs to be. He could quit right now and retire. And he still works 90 hours a week. I, I, and, and I was trying to get, and I was trying to get him as a client. because I knew I could help him, but you know, he always had an excuse. He's like, things are just busy right now. I was like, dude, they're always busy. You program yourself <laughs> to work 90 hours a week. I was like, but, but you try to appeal, right? Cause I know he has two daughters. It's like, Don't you want to spend time with your daughters? Like, don't you want to have time with your family? Aren't those things super important to you? But the reality is, is that they are important to him and it does matter, but he's more scared of going back to being broke than he is of getting himself set up to break free from the time that he's spending in his business. And so this is why coaching is effective to some degree but a coach isn't really going to help you with that. I mean, they could if they're well-versed in psychotherapy and yeah, psychological yeah. background, et cetera. However, most of your coaches don't know how to go into that depth. So that's where yeah. my aspect of therapy will come in and help these people actually step out of the prison they've made for themselves.
0: Yeah, I do. I, you know, you're, this is something interesting is the technical side of your, of your background. And you know, you've, got, you've got all the, the soft skills up front. And I think that's gonna be super powerful, but having having that technical background to fall back on, mm-hmm. to look at stuff for the different, you know, you're different you've always got that lens, right? You always have yeah. the technical lens to kind of look stuff through. You got the coaching part, the all these modalities, and then you've got the mod like when I'm looking and and you're doing the you've got the doctor stuff cooking. Vin Man, thanks. I really appreciate you spending time with me this morning. It's been a great chat and uh, just easy, you know, easy, free flow. And I love, you know, I love corporate. I spent a, you know, I spent a bazillion years in corporate and, you know, love the people development side and all the good stuff that we've, that I'd seen happen, you know, investing in people. And um, I love Mm -hmm. your approach. I would have loved, I would have loved working with you in any, in any corporate.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks Dan. (laughs) And I appreciate being here today and hanging out with you too. And, to your point in the morning or earlier uh, at the start of the call is I booked on a Sunday because I'm pretty busy during the week myself, but Sundays, Sunday's my day to do a little bit of catch up, spend time with my family, and then make some new friends like you and I are now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's great. I, I really appreciate it. And I, and I just put up, you know, for people that are listening, uh, you're listening on the show, we put up uh, a little freebie that that Vince has. So it's at uh, Infante. Infante
1: dot life I'm trying,
0: to, trying to get through my I want to make sure I say it right with my eyeballs <laughs> <laughs> dot life slash uh, forward slash vision board so it's go uh Vincent Fonte dot life vision board and you can just also just Google them you've got a you got a great you know you got a great SEO stuff just Google uh just Google Vince and you will memory. find you definitely find them everywhere <laughs> I, I do love that. Um, any closing thoughts, any, uh, anything you want to part with, uh, you know, how people can find you and just a reminder, you know, where you're at and everything.
1: Yeah. I also like yeah. to end podcast with a quote, if people ask me any closing remarks, so we'll give you a I quote. And I'll it. give you a few spots to find me. So one is you guys can find me at www.vincentinfante.life. That's my overall website. There's plenty of things on there. Uh, not much to do yet, but I'll be releasing a newsletter. I have my free hmm. resource, which I would love for everyone to get. I'll be releasing a blog. So that's all actually starting, coming up in October. First newsletter, October 1st. Um, awesome. Blog dropping the second week of October. Um, I'm starting up a podcast. So stay in touch. Stay up to date with me. Mm-hmm. Follow me on Instagram. It's where I'm most active. W, uh, okay. you know, Instagram.com at Vin.Infante. You can check me out on LinkedIn. It's also Vin Infante. And my favorite quote to give out, or one of my favorite quotes is by Aristotle. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. says, he said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. And I like to remind people of this because mm-hmm. we try so hard to ascertain things in life because we believe that's, that's what it's about, getting the thing. And mm-hmm. many people fall short of their goals because they don't understand what a goal is. The point of a goal is not about achieving the goal. A goal is just a place marker. The point of a goal is to challenge you to evolve into the person you need to become to live out that goal. So a lot of people that might have trouble with understanding manifestation, for instance, manifestation, the, the woo-woo part is just manifest it. But the realistic part is when you become the thing you're trying to achieve, it just comes into your life because you're ready. <laughs> like yeah, You don't have funny. to taste it because you've become it and it has you become it to you. Because you just are it. And when you're it and you're living it out, Hmm. you've evolved into that person, there's no chase because it's just there now because it's a part of you. It's a part of your standards. It's a part of your life. It's the habits and the excellence you've created for yourself. So don't ask, what do you want to Hmm. achieve? Ask, who must I become to get
0: who? Who do I want to become? What do I look like when I'm that person? Uh, It's inside out, really, isn't it? You're done chasing something. you're not chasing something you just kind of you it just you just becomes you you are yeah exactly
1: kind of reminds me the i am i Mm -hmm. am i am the only place in the bible that god said his name i am
0: it's kind of cool right yeah Mm -hmm. some of these little mysteries uh thanks again vincent um see you hang around for 30 seconds i'll see you on the other side i got a little quick commercial thanks again everybody thanks for following along uh, the journey and again uh, mental health today where you can find us on on all the platforms uh, the regular audio version and then also these shows are live on facebook linkedin youtube and twitter then see you in 30
1: hmm? yeah loose baby but we're about to go and make this vessel with these great professionals in public glass we're not part of the community but we're from the outer family of blowing. yeah we're gonna go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it it changes all the time so if you change the way you look at things the things you look at change